Yeah, we're missing. Uh, we can't see your. I, I can see Ivana. What? I'm like still here. Really? What do you mean the chair? Did you go back to an old? It went back to the beginning of this. It must be frozen. You're sitting in the chair right now. Hello. Yeah. I. I see you. I see you both moving. So Ivana was you you've got your hand on your on your chin and I see Gil's hand is up. Yeah, okay, cool. Listen, I, I know what you look like already, Ivana, so I'll just pretend that I can see your face. Okay, being broadcast. That's so weird. What about that? No, what? Did you just flip me the bird? Okay, yeah. Yeah. Something like that, no. No, I wouldn't do that. I just stuck out my tongue. Like, I haven't done that since I'm like eight. <laughs> well, yo, let's get this party started. So we are right here on The Lounge on Twitch. We've got special guests, Gil Masuda and Ivana Santilli. We've got some dope new records to talk about. But to start things off, let's start a little bit at the beginning. Ivana, you might be familiar with the format a little bit, but for Gil, who isn't so much familiar, we always ask our guests how they were first introduced to the specific art form that they practice. So, music. How are you introduced to music? Um, so, my best friend Boris, when I was probably like 12 years old, he had an older brother, Sasha, and Sasha had a pair of turntables. He had them set up in, in their closet, in their bedroom. And that was really the first time that I saw, you know, records being used for DJing purposes. And uh, I think he had like a Fat Boys record. And, and that kind of is what sparked my initial interest in DJing. Were you always musically inclined? No, actually, I don't really have any natural musical ability, to be honest with you. Uh, I just, with DJing, I just practiced a lot. I just wanted to learn how to scratch and stuff like that. So okay. I just practiced night and day, and, and then it eventually got better. Uh, but the first instrument that I picked up actually was trumpet. Yvonne oh, nice. Because she's also, she's also a trumpeter. Yeah. So I was playing uh, in, like the community center at, at the Buddhist community center here in Toronto. And so that's, that was a, my first musical experience, but, uh, um, it didn't last that long. I wasn't that good at it. So DJing is something that kind of, I, I picked up and, um, I, I had just such a great passion for it. And eventually I was just patient with it and then it got better. Okay. Was, was there a particular DJ that kind of, you know, you kind of look to like, hey, yeah, that guy or that girl, what they're doing, I'm feeling it. Um, yeah, of course. Uh, I have mentors, uh, you know, that kind of took me under their wing. Uh, guys in Toronto, like Two Swift Household. Hey. Uh, and uh, are you, wait, are you Toronto? You're Toronto too, right? Now I'm in Winnipeg. Oh, okay. You're in yeah. Winnipeg. He's honorary Toronto, though. <laughs> so, 
So yeah, Ivan from Two Specs, he was yes. one of the guys that like saw something in me, wanted to put me on, get me DJing uh, parties, or like just inviting me over to his house to practice. So um, yeah, definitely he had a big impact. And then also uh, my DJ partner Nick uh, was a was a huge influence on um, you know the kind of music that he introduced me to and uh, just overall style of production. Nice. nice. Now, Ivana, I know you grew up around music. Yeah. Yeah. Tell us Is about that it. that the intro? <laughs> <laughs> um, my father's a musician, singer, uh, plays accordion, and he kind of had an Italian wedding band. Uh, so when I was picking instruments in, high, in elementary school, I picked trumpet first. No, actually, I picked French horn first, and uh, trumpet was second. And my father kind of said, I might have told you the story. My father said, who's going to hire you playing the French horn, right? So I picked the trumpet, and that was elementary school. Played piano, too, I think. I think piano was first, trumpet was second, and then singing was third, as far as uh, which instruments I picked up. And I played in my father's band for a bit, and then I met the dudes in um, that became bass is bass. Right. So we became bass, bass, bass together. Left that band, and then uh, did a solo career. So, the kind of music has always been in the family. My grandfather plays banjo and honky tonk piano, kind of thing. So yeah. I don't. Know if, yes. I don't know if I've asked you this before, but. If you hadn't grown up around all that music, do you think you still would have ended up a musician? You know, that's a really good question. I think a while ago I would have answered, oh, for sure. Now I'm not totally sure because my grandfather is a tailor and I'm really interested in clothes all the time. Like, yes, you are. <laughs> if I'm not listening to music, yeah, if I'm not listening to music, I'm looking at design and like how things are made. And so. You know, again, what is that? Is that because it's influenced from family or is it in the blood, you know? Mm -hmm. I don't know, it's a really good question. But when I thought of not doing music, especially during pandemic and after pandemic, when we were all trying to recover from, you know, the business changing, mm -hmm. um, I thought of like, what else would I do? And actually Wade had said that. He's like, but if you didn't do music, what else would you do, you know? Yeah. It's a good question, it's a very, uh, uh, <laughs> it's a very uh, philosophical question. I, I mean, you know, because... Existential. Yeah, I mean, sometimes you wonder, you know, because yeah. our influences shape so much of who we become. And if those early influences weren't there... So I'd say, yeah, for sure the influences, but... Um, my father, my, my, my family didn't want me to go into music because it's not a really particularly stable career yeah so it's not like i was encouraged to do it right do you know what i mean yeah, yeah. it was kind of a, i guess like as opposed to what gil is saying i think there was a natural inclination towards it yeah yeah i i feel that my family no one's a writer like no one's a writer a songwriter in my family so songwriting is actually more what i lean towards to be honest with you like the mm -hmm. song is what excites me like the because that's what, I don't know, the song is what excites me, actually. More than live. Like, I used to be really into live, but now it's, you know, how song is created and, you know, how that itself is a being on its own. Right. right. No, I feel you on that. 
Answer me this for the both of you. Soul music. I mean, I don't, I don't want to assume that I know why you're both drawn to soul music, but why are? What was it about soul music that, that drew both of you in and just kept you on lock? Gail, you want to start? <laughs> I'll, I'll go first. Honestly, soul music is one of the, the things, in my opinion, like, if you're not feeling it, then check yourself for a pulse. It's, like, so obviously likable. Like and, yeah. um, you know, the message behind it is positive. Like, everything about it is, is likable. Like, if you don't like soul music, then ask yourself, do you even like music? Because, uh, you know, every every type of music has soul in it as well, you know? So yeah. I guess, yeah, that's my answer. You know, my answer would be along the lines of what Gil is saying. Um, I'm asked a lot, what kind of music do you make and what genre of music are you into? And I'm like, you know what? It just, as long as it has some element of soul in it, I'm into it. And I'm really into hybrids because I feel like, you know, I like when music, like the beginnings of a certain style of music. I like techno. I like the beginnings of it, um, but I don't necessarily love what it's become, right? I like the mix of funk and soul, the mix of jazz and soul, the mix of like rock and soul, like Zeppelin. You know, it's really soulful music. Yeah. Um, so it just has to have something that that moves you and that. Like I just think it's it's like it's like a it's like a dagger. It's a dagger right to the heart. You can't ignore it. No, that's that's a good way of putting it. A dagger to the heart. A dagger that that you never take out. Yeah, no, no, no. It's like <laughs> it's like it's like an anchor. I don't even know what it is. An anchor. It's everything. But um, I mean, I'm born and raised in the suburbs of Toronto, right? Mm -hmm. So in an Italian neighborhood. So in a sense. I'm just kind of like an example of how how far and deep soul moves. It just it's it finds you. Yeah. yeah. No, yeah. I feel you. You hear that guy? <laughs> <laughs> You're interrupting. <laughs> You're interrupting. I didn't know I, backup singers with you today. Yeah. Apparently. <laughs> it's crazy. There's a there's an owl that shows up too. Here's a question for you. Now, you both come from respective pedigrees. You're both bringing a lot to the table. How did this come about? How did you, I mean, I'm sure you knew each other, you know, from before, but how did this come about? Yeah, so we actually, we worked together. Um, Circle Research did a remix for Ivana Santilli back in 2005. Yeah. So um, I think that was probably the first time we met in person. She came down to my studio. We worked on the remix together. And after that, you know, we'd bump into each other at a party or something or because um, we have mutual friends. Um, so we just kind of kept in touch that way. And I think it was like one like it was like Christmas holidays and I ran into her at a party in the junction and I was explaining to her, you know, oh, yeah. what was new in my life and how my kind of musical path took a bit of the turn into more funk and disco and uh, and 
obviously I expressed interest in, in working with her again. So I think uh, planted a seed then and then, yeah, so I had the label and then so I basically reached out to her and I was like, let's make a record for, for the label. Hey. Um, now, I'm gonna add. I'm gonna add this. It's funny because Gil also spends time in Little Italy. <laughs> I was kind of. I mean, he always knows the good restaurants. Um, but uh, what happened is, it, I actually had decided to not record as an artist myself anymore, and I was looking into writing for other right. artists around yep. the time Gil approached me. Mm -hmm. But the, how. Gills and Love Touch Records, what I really like about the um, the mantra or the the ideology of it, he had a very clear ideology, which kind of was, it, it was more inspiring to me as a writer because he had um, kind of a, like a bowl in which like I can write it, you know what I mean, in terms yeah. of... He wanted it to be around 83, right? So it was kind of specific, the era, and I love that era, hey. right? It's also, this, okay, I'll tell you, like, there were a couple of, um, not caveats, but a couple of guided guided tools, right? And I really, I liked the challenge that he gave me. I liked, you know, he's good people, um, good business, too, which is really important. And I don't tend to want to make music unless those two things are factors, and that's the case, and he's professional and loves music. Like, he's a genuine fan of music, right? I've seen him out at live venues and really respectful to the live music community. So those things are really important to me so that I know that it's a, it's a warm, in, um, inviting, safe place to write music, right? So it was, he wanted 83, but then the difficult thing for me was when he said, you have to write about love. <laughs> <laughs> Oh no, <laughs> I had decided not to write about love because I hadn't had good love in a while, mm. right? But yeah. I will say, if I can, because, you know, when I was writing about love, it was usually about conflict, right? Because yeah. that's, you know, there's, that's also an important aspect of love. You know, The weekend's always writing about, like, you know, like conflicted love situations, love lost, and like, mm -hmm. you know, so that's people, that resonates with people too, but I didn't want to write about from that angle anymore. So he said, but he'd rather it be positive, which was also challenging. <laughs> um, so I just want to kind of say, and I wanted to tell you, Gil, that when I wrote Air of Love with you, um, I had just decided to imagine and remember what I liked about love. And if anything, it helped me beckon the love that I have in my life now. So, hey. Yeah. That's, that's sick. But, uh, yeah, that's, that's sick. sick. Well, <laughs> I'm, I'm really drop? glad to hear that. <laughs> no, that's that's legit. I like that. I like that. I'm I'm truly truly happy for you, Ivana. I'm very happy to hear that. Thank you. Now Wade isn't here to speak, but it, was it a natural progression that he's involved or? Yeah. So Ivana suggested to bring Wade in to do some some background vocal work and uh, some harmonies. So that's how he came into the studio. Yeah. And, and then from there, it was just a no-brainer to ask him to, to, to make a record as well. 
which was interesting because Gil was working with like mostly just female singers. Mm -hmm. And then we talked about it. I'm like, what about? Yeah, and it was natural. Was it? Yeah. Was it different, Gil, to work with Wade? Than Ivana? Yeah. Yeah, it was. I mean, every experience with each artist that I've worked with has have been completely separate experiences. Um, and yeah, with Love Touch, I was making a conscious effort to showcase female talent. Um, and so uh, Wade's record was actually, yeah, the first record that I did with a solo male vocalist. And um, I think that I was ready to branch out into something like that at the time. Okay. Um, and uh, yeah, it was just perfect. I was already a huge fan of him. I had seen him yeah. live, uh, you know, with the A-Team and uh, obviously saw his music videos. And uh, so, yeah, I thought that it would be a really great fit. And it truly, truly was like what he delivered in spades, I got to say. And thanks to Ivana for, you know, one of the tracks, Moment to Moment, was actually Whew. a track that we were working on for Ivana's record. <laughs> so that's her playing the keys uh, on that record. So it's really nice to see that kind of, you know, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? But yeah. Synergy? The melting pot situation that happened. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I was excited because I had just reached my max of what I could write on it. Like, we oh. wrote that together. Gil and I wrote that together. And I. I was just at a loss for melodies, you know, like we had written the beds and the instrumental, you know, together. And then, you know, I was coming up with different melodies and different hooks and I'm like, you know, I just, it's just, it's not coming to me. And I said, you know what, I I'm gonna come back next week and I'll have something different. I think I have something that I'll like better. So I had, I had forgotten about it, right? And then Gil and Wade, either you texted me or you sent me something, I can't remember. And I was so excited to hear it because it just, you know, it just brought it like to a whole place I couldn't even have thought of bringing it. I want to take a, just take a quick yeah. pause. And yeah. before we move on, because you mentioned Circle. Yeah, sure. So Circle Research uh, comprised of myself and Nick Timar, uh, and basically we grew up together in the same part of Etobicoke, and uh, we were both part of the same breakdance crew, um, but we were the only two DJs, and so we would spin the record while, you know, during parties we were DJing together, so um, it was just natural that we became partners. And so we started making beats together and we released a few albums uh, under Circle Research. I think we released three albums. And uh, yeah, we opened up for a bunch of um, big artists in Toronto. We had a radio show that ran for like 10 years on community radio here uh, with uh, the help of some friends. Is there a and, salute? Uh, yeah, so the Circle Research show and uh yeah i mean i'm still close with nick he's more focusing on family stuff these days um, that's fair but uh so yeah uh, but i mean you might hear another circle research remix coming up soon who knows uh, nice nice if I, get, if I can get him in the studio and away from his baby then <laughs> it 
You know, I'll, I'll, I'll be honest. When I first found out about Love Touch and I, when I found out you were behind it, I really wasn't surprised in the least. Okay, cool. It made a lot of sense. I love that. Yeah, it made a lot of sense. Uh, I guess the progression from hip hop to funk uh, was, you know, um, it was slow when steady. Um, because I went from punk rappers, and then we're, we're working with other artists now, and then I just said, hey, I can make these funk beats too, and uh, and then the rest is history, really. And can I can I just say, right now is a really good time to drop some funky shit. That's so exciting. There's, that's there's, a relief as a music lover. Nah, for real though, you know, because thanks to other artists that have kind of opened up people's, you know, audio palettes, people, the funk is very much a recognizable sound now. Yeah, Bruno Mars, Anderson yep. Pack, Dua Lipa, mm -hmm. like yep. big, big pop artists yep. are incorporating that in their sound. And, you know, I I just think there's, like, I know a lot of people have, like, we're under, we're kind of, like, dealing with underground music a lot of our careers. But I have a big respect for pop artists that listen and check for great soul music and have good influences in disco and are doing a, a great job of either making a resurgence of it or, you know, expanding on it, yeah, you yeah. know, and modernizing or whatever, using the elements. It's good. It's good. It's really good for music when that happens. Well, you know, these two records that, that dropped slip in really nicely in the current musical zeitgeist. Slip in really nicely. For real, the when I when I heard the joints, I, I mean, when it comes to the, when it comes to this one over here, I kind of already expect to hear something that I'm gonna like. So then when I found out that you guys were working together, I'm like, oh man, this is gonna be and you guys did not disappoint. So straight up and down, salute. The shit is so dope. And it's fun to play. I was super excited about the record. Yeah, and it, it took like seven months for it to get pressed up. So it was a long time in the making, but it's finally here. So it feels good to share it with everyone. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. Now, are these one-off singles? Are we possibly, you might have alluded to uh, something of a more fuller project down the road? Uh, it started off as a, a one-off. Um, obviously, you know, I'm open to do more. I know she's busy and, yeah. uh, you know, doing her thing, but... <laughs> Is, she <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Is she me? Is she me? You're a she, you're her. Um, <laughs> Got no, it. Of course, Got I'd it. love to do a, another record or work together again in some capacity. It was a delight having her come to the studio. We would chat, share music. We would break for dinner, uh, you know, we yeah, eat dinner with my true. wife, drink wine. Yeah. Like, it was a really nice time. Yeah. Yeah. 
that's the thing about making music. It's it's uh, it's thorough. It's a thorough experience. It's not just like I know there's a lot of people like out where I am. There's a lot of people that do one hour sessions where the topic comes up, you write the song, and it's partially recorded demo in like an hour, an hour and a half. And that's not necessarily, like, you know, sometimes that's possible to happen, but there's something else to be said for taking a step back and going, why are we doing this? What message do we want to put across? And, mm -hmm. you know, like, I honestly, I'm, I'm thankful that I had to write a song about love. I kid you not, because it just made me uh, refocus on what love means and what kind of love there is, right? And Love Touch Records, it's also kind of a, I just like the positivity about it you know, and the party aspect of it, too. You know, and the together aspect of it. Love is universal. Yes. Yeah, and it's not just yes. one thing. It's not just um, romantic love. It's, yeah, it goes it goes pretty deep, you know? No, that's that's so true. You, you both hit on such succulent points, straight up and down. Now, one thing, yeah, succulent points, you know. <laughs> Who did the who did the artwork for the two covers? Uh, so the artist's name is Tara Paquette, and she's done most of the illustrations for the label. Okay, um, so she's like your in-house almost. Almost. I wish I could say that, but no, she's way too talented to just you know limit her her talents to love touch. Word. Um, so yeah, she was introduced to me by uh, my good friend Nick Fox, who designed the la the label and the branding around Love Touch Records. And uh, actually, yeah, so they worked together. And uh, yeah, her name's Tara. She's awesome, and uh, we're we're still working together. Um, and uh, excited to uh, actually share it with you the next release, which I can't talk too much about because it's. It's about Ivana and Wade, but um, I just wanted to add one thing about uh, uh, the music process. Of course. Uh, Ivana was mentioning about how, you know, in LA they do these one hour sessions. When I work on something, the end goal is always to release it on the label and on vinyl. So um, I'm very kind of focused on the vision. And if I'm working with someone, an artist, maybe it's Ivana, maybe someone else, um, the goal is to kind of see eye to eye on the song and once their part is done, I keep working on it until it's something that I'm ready to, sh to share with the world. So, for example, those songs that we did together, they, they had their own little, um, I guess, journey um, and from when they started to when they were released and Ivana, she can yeah. to that. even when it comes down to the mixing stage i'll just like keep mixing it keep making changes send them over send her a new mix and until i'm completely 100 percent satisfied and then even even then i'll send it to the mastering guy and i'll get back to masters and i'll hear something else i want to change once the mastering guy does his thing so it's really truly a labor of love every every record that i put you touch on you touch on an I'm interesting glad Gil point. Is like that, I'm sorry. Oh no, go ahead. I've got a delay. No, I'm glad Gil is like that because I'm like that as well. Especially since I'm not really releasing music under my name right now. Right. Much. It's more about writing for other artists and for film. But um, 
I'm glad Gil was like that because I was like that. So one of the songs, so Air of Love, as an example on, on the AB, that was the, that was supposed to be the A side, but then he said, okay, what do you want to do for a B side? And and then he said, what about a cover? Because I'd already written like the, the beds of moment to moment, well, it became moment to moment when Wade, Wade um, did what he did, what he right. wrote, like with those beds. Yeah. Um, so, so he said, well, what about a cover? And I said, and then immediately, well, I'm telling you, maybe this is a further question you're going to ask. But the point is, when we did the cover, there was a groove to it. And it was a specific way that it was going. And I had left town. And then he sent me, he goes, hey, I reworked the groove. <laughs> nice. And I said, what do you mean you reworked the groove? Like, because I was, I, you know, I liked where it was. And so when the groove was reworked, then we also reworked other things around it. You know what I mean? So yeah. Because we both have the thing of, okay, well, now we don't want to do this, and now we want to do that. Because when you change the color, like, of anything, you have to have, like, the, the same, like, hues that work with that color as well. Right. As an example. Right? I like so that you use color. Yeah, I was glad that Gil was picky like that because then we could understand each other for how picky we could both be. <laughs> you know what I mean? You know what I, I found I went, interesting? I can see Gil's face really now. <laughs> Gil, when... Gil's over here. I can't really see the facial expression. <laughs> Gil, when I found out that Ivana was working on some new material, I was a little surprised for all the reasons she's already mentioned. So when she told me she was going to work on something with you, I knew, okay, well, they must have cracked something open because, again, because of all the points she's already mentioned, to make her want to create under her name and, and work on something and put it out. Obviously, you guys tapped into something. Yeah, you know, it was... It was also me being like, I want, I want this to be an Ivana Santilli record. I don't want it to be like Gil Masita featuring Ivana Santilli. Yeah. When I put a, a record on Love Touch, part of it is using their name and like their brand and you know capitalizing on their following in order to you know get my music out there. Right. Right. So I want, I really wanted it to be an Ivana Santilli record. But if she, you know, if she was like, no, because it's different from what I'm doing or uh, you know, I prefer to produce my own stuff, then I'd be like, okay, sure, we can do, you know, Love Touch Presents or Love Touch Family featuring you. Right, right, right. Silly. Um, but I'm really happy that she agreed to, to put her name on the project because, well, it just goes to show that she believes in it. A, exactly. A, has a, a vested interest in it to see it through and and not phone it in, you know? Exactly. And she really went above and beyond uh, what she truly signed up for. So I'm, I'm really grateful. That's a great, really cool thing to say, Gil. No, I'm just saying it's a really cool thing to say. Thank you for saying that. And I, I think what happened also is um, it's a music that I love and understand and have a respect for. So I was really happy when Gil was, you know, going that way to, you know, keep pushing Boogie and Disco. Right. Yes. Um, Love that. Uh, so there was there was that right, uh, but there was the aspect of a part of 
releasing music, and I'm sure the artists that might be listening, or people who aren't artists that are music lovers, one of the things about writing and recording music, that's there's one aspect of it that's a labor of love. It's fun. It's it's everything. You know, it's it's an enjoyable process. The part that I really like, it just kind of uh, kind of can put a damper on making the music, is the whole machine that you have to build after, right? Yeah. And so I was respecting like how Gil was like taking that taking that um, you know taking that role on and I know how, how difficult it is you know because I've done all of that because I've, I've been brown recordings you know yeah. pressing I pressed um, I pressed limited edition of brown finally I finally pressed yeah. it on vinyl right and that was the waiting for vinyl <laughs> heart-wrenching man yeah you know yeah. And again, the, the dub plates and all of that, it's its a lot of work. So I like that this was a really good exchange of what I know to do and doing it with Gil, who's, who's stepping into that as this whole venue of running a label, pressing everything. Yep. It just made it inviting, you know? I know exactly what you're saying. Yeah. Being that this... Being this felt like such a labor of love for both of you did you have moments where you weren't quite ready to let go and almost had to push each other to okay it's done it's finished we don't need to do anything more like axel rose it yeah yeah um Gil, you go ahead that way about me because i was literally like changing out the drum sounds until like the last the you know 25th hour kind of thing okay and like that the clap sound in out of sight out of mind was like something that i just tried a friend of mine gave me some some samples and and i really liked the way it it made the the, the beat pop and it it kind of changed the the vision from 83 to more like 85 86 which i'm mm. fine with I think it actually kind of uh, worked out really well with the rest of the sound palette. Um, and then she got her friend to play bass on it, and like so that that really made the bottom Calvin end interesting. So the, yeah, so with that bottom end plus the pop with the clap, and like I felt like okay, now it's ready. Yeah, that was that was really great because when he sent the new, the new groove for it. At that point, I thought, oh my goodness, like this, now that we've changed it that way, we need live. And also because it's a level 42 cover and Mark King being one of the best bass, like dopest bass players, composers in, you know, modern music, in my opinion, I love Mark King's bass playing. I thought it was kind of important to feature a great live bass player and Gil was open for it because nice. that was a bit that was a bit going against the original rules, right, Gil? Yeah, originally it was a synth bass line in there. Okay. It was kind of just, um, I guess, emulating the original uh, song. Right. right. Um, but uh, what Calvin did was to just took the track to another level. Yeah. Yeah. Gil, you mixed it down? Yeah. Say again? You mixed it down? Yeah, I, I mixed down all the love touch stuff. 
That's a, a really, that's an incredible job for anyone who is not like really familiar with mixing down a record. It's time consuming and unbelievable process. And I credit anyone who has the patience to do it. Honestly, I, well I spend more time mixing the records than actually making records. Right? <laughs> and I should probably just pay someone else to do it, but I'm a bit of a control freak when it comes to that. So, uh, you know, I, I would, for better or for worse, I, I would like to be responsible, you know, for the overall yeah. sound of the record in the end. Yeah. And, you know, at the beginning of my career, I used to cringe when the record came out and I would hear it and, you know, it didn't sound professional or like the artists that I was, you know, that were popular. But I'm finally at a point where um, I can actually, what I'm hearing in my head, I can move the faders and, you know, move the mouse and get there. Sometimes it takes longer than others. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I, I'm always, uh, you know, just satisfied with myself that I did that, you know, I did it myself. Once the, once the record's finished, do you guys do the, uh, okay, now, first I gotta listen to it in the studio, and then I gotta listen to it on my own headphones, they gotta listen to it in the whip, and then I gotta listen to it in, like, a larger room. You guys do that? Yeah. <laughs> I was, I was excited when he sent the MP3 out, yeah. Yeah, I did the bows, the little bows, the, the, that one's a good test, you know, the little bows, uh, yeah. what do we call it, you know. And then yeah. the ultimate test is throwing it into a set while you're DJing, yes. that, which is possible now with, with Serato. Yep. So it's like that, you know, if you've been spinning for two hours and then you throw on your own track, you immediately know what is lacking. So it becomes painfully obvious. Uh, in that context so that's something that i often do gil when you drop when you drop your own records do you feel a little self-conscious about it or you you kind of passed it and you're already like yeah that's my record the thing is from the moment you actually make the beat like that first day even before you get the singer and or other artists involved you fall in love with it and then throughout the process of finishing it and releasing it by then you know it's faded i hate to say it but it, what what happens is you regain a love for it when people like you give give me the feedback and say how much you love the record and then you can see okay yeah okay it, it's still good excellent but point because you're listening you've listened to it thousands of times yeah and picked it apart you, you it's hard to see the whole forest rather yeah. than yeah. all the trees yeah. yeah so um that's part of the process of music that i don't like um but uh do you mean the I million mean, times of hearing it <laughs> yeah absolutely so i was yeah. gonna ask if you like mixing if you enjoy it hell yeah I, you do I oh that's it. great oh well there you go i do i really do love so, it but i don't like how time consuming it that's what I'm yeah. saying. <laughs> I could be making other records during the time that I'm mixing, which is but, arguably more important. Yeah. So here's the thing. If this makes you feel any any better about it, 
when a song is good, it lasts forever. Whereas yeah, yeah. when you're playing live, as much fun as that is, when the live performance is done, it's done. You have to go and do it again. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. So like a song, you're building something that lasts for, for a very long time. But what I'll say that. is, um, my experience with, you know, hearing something, because I'm I'm there for the mix pro process usually. With Gil, I wasn't. Um, but in general, I'm there for, you know, hearing it that many times. Here's the thing is when there's someone else in the room, I can always hear it through their ears somehow. That's mm. what's so helpful. Just, just anyone who walks in the room, they don't even have to be saying anything. I can yep. tell there's just something you they feel don't the vibe. have to tell me. I can tell if it's hitting or if it's not hitting. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And I should finish with, and when it's hitting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's one end of the on positive challenges uh, of yeah of working alone is you don't get that immediate feedback from someone else in the room, yeah. and then you know often like when I'm putting together the final mix, the only people I'll share it with is my wife Michelle and the artist who I'm working with. Right, right, and uh, and that's about it. Just because um, I. I'm still not ready to share it with people until it gets mastered and it's out. So uh, it's really a matter of just trusting myself and the very few people that, that hear the music before it actually gets released. I feel you on that all the way. Yeah, um, I'll let people hear it before the mastering, like around the time of mix. But what I don't like letting people hear is when the writing process isn't finished because when I've let people hear things that I'm in the process of writing, and if they didn't like it, the song won't be finished because mm. it just completely, it kills the um, the possibilities. Because sometimes I also hear things in my head that they might not be hearing, mm -hmm. but I know it's about to be there, right? Okay. So I think it's the, you know everyone has their their part of the the creation, the creative process that is really private, and not just for magical reasons, but for like finishing it. Like sometimes you just have to finish the part of it that you can do. Right. Right. You know, and then then other ears can help you kind of go, well, you know, what if this was like in four keys above this, four tones above this? What if it was, was faster? What if it was slower? You know what I mean? And um, Jay, I don't know if this is like a family show, but puff puff pass. Sometimes you have to be able to <laughs> different ears, right? <laughs> I was gonna ask Gil if he hits it when he's mixing, cause. <laughs> no, I don't. To be honest, uh, these days, uh, often when I'm making beats and when I'm mixing, uh, completely sober. Okay. And, uh, yeah, some. But you know, if I, at nighttime, when it's time to to listen to music, that's a different story. Okay. And that that's what I'm talking out. about. You putting on a different. I'm talking about listening to with a different ears. Yeah. Okay. I feel that. I'm on I feel a tea that. break by, right now, by the way. So. You're on a break right now? I'm on a tea break. Yeah. Okay. Only tea? What kind of tea? Uh... <laughs> <laughs> Tolerance break. Yeah, sometimes you, you, sometimes you really have to. Especially with, I mean, potency now is... <laughs> Dispensaries also don't have... I don't know, man. It's not, it's not like what it was, you know? 
What's your favorite form of right now? Form of enjoying. Well, I, ooh, it's a funny, it's a good question because in general, like I said, I'm about like three weeks in right now and that's yeah. kind of interesting. Wow. Maybe three weeks. Okay. Talk. So maybe this is too deep into, into that, but, um, and you can, we could stop at any moment. Uh, <laughs> I, what I find really interesting is the moments where I would light up, but I'm not and why I would light up and how it's different to not light up. That's mm. that in itself is a really interesting exploration right now. That actually is. You know? I don't know if I'm ready to explore it personally right now, but you bring that up and I'm like, oh, that might be something to think about one day. <laughs> yeah, I'm on this Eckhart Tolle vibe too, like noticing the things that you're feeling outside of, you know, just getting outside of your head and kind of noticing the experience you're having right like and just being in the present moment you know all that stuff Gil, what's, what's your favorite what's your favorite in way to enjoy right now answer. <laughs> um i like to have a drink socially um i don't i don't drink a lot but you know when i, I dj i have a lot of dj gigs so it yeah. kind of goes with the job yeah uh at home you know at nighttime i might uh I might have a puff of hash or something like that. I, I'm not a big weed smoker these days. That's peace. Mm -hmm. I remember, I mean, I'm, and I'm sure you both have had instances where, you know, before hopping on stage, you knew, oh, maybe I hit it a little too hard. I don't do that. I've actually no, never I, been, I, that's live, I, that's, I've never, that's, yeah, I, in general, I, yeah. Unless I was at a rock and roll club and it was jazz, right. maybe I'd have a drink. But right, right. performing, no. Sorry, I'm interrupting, Gil. But yeah, that's just. Oh, makes the music sense. Music in itself is a. The music itself is, is a real journey and it's a real trip and it's a real high. Like it's a real high and it's. There's so much in that, you know, in riding that wave. Yeah, I feel like for me at this age that I'm at, I prefer to remember the experience the next day and like, yes. it was different when i was in my 20s and yeah being, uh you know drinking like straight jack daniels all night oh my god us. but those days are you know long past yeah, yeah no i can't even just the thought of a hangover i just i can't even you know what i mean i don't even want to ever have to experience a hangover again in my life <laughs> well you know it's it's been so solid have you guys in the lounge space ivana you are a, you are a, a a regular guest in the lounge space you know it's always open door for you gail it's your first time but i want you to know now that you've had like you know a little bit of time in here it's open door policy going forward anytime you have something popping we are here to help promote dope shit. so i want you to know anytime you have something popping don't hesitate. We are always here to help. Thank you for having me. Spreading the word. I appreciate the support. And yeah, definitely. For sure. Now you got to let people know how to get the product. Lovetouchrecords.com. It's pretty simple. That's yes, sir. That's directly to my Bandcamp page where you can order uh, 
the vinyl, you can order yourself a t-shirt, you can purchase digital MP3s, and then of course, uh, slowly trickling out into the digital like Spotify and all that stuff. Right, right, right. Um, I believe Out of Sight, Out of Mind is already out on Spotify. Okay. And uh, Air of Love will be following soon, so look out for that. And again, I really, I'm, I'm glad I have the opportunity to tell you these are damn good records. Wade, sorry, we, we weren't able to get you up in here. Salute. The, the two songs are dope. Ivana, Gil, two songs. And Ivana knows I love music. And when, when someone provides, you know, that, that dope for the veins, it's real easy to champion that shit and stand at the top of a mountain and say, y'all need to hear this shit. For real. So thank you for spending some time with us today. Of course, thank you. Definitely. Make sure you pick up, these records are so incredible, I can't stop going on about how dope they are. Love Touch Records, look for them, Bandcamp. Follow these guys on social. And just so you guys know, this will be streaming on demand on Spotify VR podcast. Thanks for spending some time with us today, guys. It's been a slizzy.